This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, as the liturgical year comes to a close, the church typically gives us apocalyptic readings for our consideration. Now, as I've said before, the word apocalypsis in Greek has nothing to do, at least directly, with the end of the world. What it means literally is unveiling, apocalypso, taking the veil away. Hence, revelatio, when it was translated into Latin, taking away the veil. And so what we're meant to see now in these apocalyptic readings is something revealed, something disclosed to us that we wouldn't normally see. Okay? Now, our first reading is a stark little passage from the prophet Malachi, whose book, by the way, is the last book in the Old Testament. So there's something about the end of things there in Malachi. Here's what he says. Lo, the day is coming, blazing like an oven, when all the proud and evildoers will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire. Well, that's pretty strong stuff. Then we hear this. But for you who fear my name, there will arise the sun of justice with its healing rays. Now, that's typical of apocalyptic literature. You've got bad news and good news, and the good news seems to have the last word. See, we can focus too much on just the the, uh, frightening side of these texts, but in the apocalyptic text, the good news has the last word. Now, we find a similar rhythm in the gospel reading. The setting is the Temple Mount at the heart of Jerusalem. I remember in Jesus' time, heart of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, there was the great temple. That's why people came to Jerusalem to perform sacrifice, to pray, to be instructed in the temple. And the temple was, at that time, one of the great and impressive buildings in the ancient world, especially now in its renovated form. King Herod, Herod the Great, had led a renovation of the temple. He greatly expanded it. In fact, he built some of that supporting wall, the western wall, the wailing wall that people visit today, is a bit of that retaining wall that Herod the Great built as part of his renovation. But it was one of the most beautiful, impressive buildings in the ancient world. The gospel opens with people standing in front of it, and admiring it, looking at its beauty, its artistry, all the jewels that are encrusted in it. Now, see, we're rather accustomed to impressive edifices that our technology can throw up. But imagine someone now in the first century who's come maybe from the 
back country of Judea or Galilee and suddenly finding himself in front of this enormous, magnificent complex, he would have been overwhelmed. Imagine someone today coming to Washington, D.C., maybe, and they've never seen the Capitol before. They, they come to Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. They've never seen a great Gothic church before. The awed quality of their gazing. But then we hear Jesus puts a pin in the balloon. Here's what he says. All that you see here, the days are coming when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Now again, imagine that kid standing in front of the U.S. Capitol or the White House or standing in front of Chart Cathedral. Would you share that little bit of wisdom with him? I mean, would you come up to him, put your hand on his shoulder and say, the days are coming when not one stone of this will be left on the other. I mean, why is Jesus here bursting the bubble of these pious Jews who are legitimately admiring their temple? Well, let's hold off on answering that for a second and look at the rest of his speech. Before the end of the age, he says, many will come in my name saying, I am he. Don't follow them. More to it, he goes on, wars and insurrections will take place. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And finally, there'll be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place. And if things don't look bad enough, he goes on, they will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons. They will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. Things will get so desperate. Listen, you will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Well, isn't that comforting? <laughs> Where is this dark message coming from? Actually, Jesus' words are comforting. Once we unpack the meaning of this passage, once we unveil what's going on here. Well, what's he up to? Why all this brooding negativity? He's taking, it seems to me, one by one, the things that we rely upon for ultimate security in this world, and he's telling us to let go of them. Let me say that again. I think it's the hinge now of this whole passage. He's taking one by one the things that we rely upon for our security in this world, and he's telling us not to rely on them. Look, the temple, the Jerusalem temple, stands not just for aesthetic beauty, but for all religious institutions up and down the centuries, including our own. All of our church buildings, all of our structures and so on. They will collapse one day. They are not themselves the ultimate good and the ultimate source of our security. Next, he undermines, mocks even, all personal claimants to ultimacy. Those up and down the ages who say, I am the one. Many will come in my name saying, I am the one, right? 
whether they're gurus or teachers or pop stars or political leaders, anyone that says, I'm the one, follow me, find your security in me and my program and my vision, don't listen to them. They are false messiahs all. Now, again, I'm not bad-mouthing politics in itself. What I'm bad-mouthing, what Jesus is bad-mouthing is any claim to ultimacy on the part of these figures or institutions. Next, he says, wars and insurrections will occur as nations rise against nations. One of the greatest temptations up and down the ages and in our time is to find security in political powers and arrangements. What do we Americans tend to say? With our giant population, with our nuclear weapons, our mighty army, we will be secure. You know, in point of fact, all these things make us rather less secure, don't they? And let's be honest, all political arrangements eventually come undone. I've said this before, but you know, imagine a Roman aristocrat around the year 100, let's say. He probably couldn't imagine the Roman Empire ever ending. This mighty power dominating the world as he knew it, backed up with venerable political institutions and a mighty army. Who would ever attack it or undermine it? Well, now, of course, the Roman Empire is a distant memory. All that's left are the bones of their buildings that we visit in the city of Rome and elsewhere. Napoleon's empire, Hitler's empire, Stalin's empire, they all fade away. And our own will fade away. I know it's hard for us to admit it, but it's true. Don't rely ultimately on political institutions. More to it, there'll be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues. Oh, some people seek their security, not so much in politics, but in nature, in the enduring earth. Now, think of all forms of nature mysticism, pantheism, up and down the centuries. It's a very ancient belief, very popular belief today. I mentioned before the Star Wars movies. May the force be with you, the force that runs through all of nature. Or more recently, Avatar. The most popular movie of all time. The, the biggest grossing movie of all time. But it features a very strong pantheistic nature mysticism. But let's face it. The earth came into being some 5 billion years ago. Will eventually wear out. The earth itself, nature itself, they're not ultimate. They too fade away. Some rely on their own bodies to find joy and security. With our consciousness about health and exercise, we can stay forever young, it seems. Ah, but this too is an illusion. Everyone gets sick, everybody dies. I'm not trying to be morbid, I'm just telling the truth. And Jesus is telling us too, don't rely on your own health, your own body. Well, we say maybe in our families and friends we'll find our ultimate fulfillment and safety. 
Well, good luck with that one. <laughs> says, you'll be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. Now, again, he's not bad-mouthing the family in itself. What he's saying is, don't cling to it. Oh, no, my parents will never abandon me. My children will never abandon me. My brother and sister, well, <laughs> I don't know. They might be great, but they're not God. Don't rely on them, ultimately. Okay, okay, okay. So not in religious uh, institutions, not in politics, not in gurus and messiahs, not in nature, not in my own body, not in my family. Where do I find my fulfillment? Now comes the apocalypse. Now comes the unveiling. Now we find out, Jesus says, by your perseverance, you will secure your lives. What's their perseverance here? They persevere in their clinging to the gospel. Jesus is the interior castle. Jesus is the place of safety and power. Jesus is the one who links you to the eternity of God. Money, power, prestige, political office, religious institutions, your own family, your own life. They all fade away, but Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what's been revealed to us here in this apocalyptic reading. So let's give Malachi the last word. Malachi who spoke of the, of the burning away of all things. Listen. But for you who fear my name, there will arise the sun of justice with its healing rays. What's been revealed here is cling to God, fear his name, and you will experience his healing rays. That's where you rest. That's where you find your peace. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.